Hello and welcome back to Getaway Day. As always, I am Mason and he is not here. Um, I am going solo tonight as Gautham is on vacation uh, out of the country. So I wasn't going to make him try and uh, call in to chat with us tonight. So instead, I'm going to try and do this on my own. I've done it exactly one other time, and that was last year. Uh, that episode, if you guys were here, I basically just ranted about the uh, Baltimore Orioles for an entire hour. I'm going to try and keep a positive message for an entire hour on my own this time. So it's going to be a little bit different. Um, but yeah, so my entire plan for tonight is actually to keep as close to a normal podcast as possible, even though there's not going to be any back and forth. Um, with that being said, we will start with this week in baseball. And then if you've noticed the title of this week's episode, Modern Art of the Steel, I will be doing a deep dive into some of the statistics of stolen bases throughout history and especially throughout the beginning of this season. So, um, yeah, that's the plan for today. Uh, let's see how this goes. So we're going to start with this week in baseball, and there was a lot of interesting stuff that happened this week. The first of which being that we are seeing before our eyes the breakout of a young stud prospect who made his debut back in 2021. Um, he kind of flopped, has been back and forth from between the majors and AAA and really hasn't been able to find his groove in the majors until now. And that player is Jared Kelnick of the Seattle Mariners. Jared Kelnick was the number six overall pick back in the 2018 draft by the New York Mets. He was sent over to the Mariners in a trade that sent Edwin Diaz back to the Mets. So uh, Kelnick was supposed to be like the first big prospect for the Mariners to come up, be productive at the major league level and put them on the path towards uh, competitive baseball, postseason baseball and potentially a World Series championship here in the next couple of years. The second guy in that list was going to be Julio Rodriguez. Now, fast forward to 2023, we know that Kelnick has really, really struggled to get off the ground so far in his career, uh, posting um, a career war of minus 0.5 uh, coming into this season. He is not hit over 180 at the major league level until this year. He has shown some of the power that he was supposed to have as, as a prospect, but not on as consistent of a basis as we would like to see. Um, however, this season in 2023, Jared Kelnick is batting 333, 393, 667 through 56 plate appearances with four home runs with 0.9 war accumulated in the first 15 games that he has played. That is amazing. If you look at any stretch of his career, this is amazing. This is what we were expecting to see when he came up as a prospect in 2021. But it gets even better than that, because if you look at just the last week of Jared Kelnick, he has hit four home runs in the last week. One of them was 482 feet. That is borderline prodigious power right there. Um, and as a part of that stretch, hitting four home runs, he is sl uh, triple slashed 474, 545, and 1.211. And this is numbers through yesterday. 
so the game that's going on today, if it started yet, I'm not really sure as I'm recording this. Um, that's not included. So this is as of yesterday. Those are Kelnick's numbers. That is in a stellar start for anybody, especially for a guy that's 23 years old, was already kind of written off by a lot of people as being a bust, which was a little unfair to say that a guy that came up at 21 years old and struggled to make it immediately is a bust, especially being a six, number six overall draft pick just five years ago now um, out of high school. So I, this is the breakout that we've been expecting from Jared Kelnick. And if you guys have not been watching, I highly suggest you do because he is going to be a very good player. Seeing him beside Julio Rodriguez and some of those other players on the Mariners team is going to be amazing. Now, as for some of the players on that Mariners team, Kelnick is not the only guy that I'm going to give a little bit of love to today. The other guy that really, really showed up this week, starting pitcher Luis Castillo. So Luis Castillo on Sunday pitched six perfect innings on his way to a seven-inning scoreless appearance. Um, I think he ended up giving up maybe two hits, um, but he was dominating that game. Uh, ended up giving up the perfect game, came out after seven. The Mariners did get that win, but Castillo was looking sharp. And if you know anything about Castillo's uh, career, he's always kind of struggled in April and then figured it out in May and been dominant through the rest of the season. So seeing this Luis Castillo this early in the season has me thinking that he might be on a Cy Young, um, Cy Young run this year. So keep an eye out for that. Pairing that starting pitching with the hitting of Jared Kelnick and what we know Julio can do, this is going to be a really really good Mariners team. All right. So moving on to another uh, division in the American League. Let's move on over to the American League Central. In the American League Central, we have a player who has been on base every single game of the 2023 season so far through game one of their doubleheader today. And that is Andrew Vaughn. He has a 16-game on-base streak. Um, I believe he has hits in all but three games. Um, I'm going to see. Yeah, so the second game of the season, he did not have a hit, but he did get a walk uh, on the 7th of uh, April. 0 for 5 with a walk on uh, the 14th of April. 0 for 4 with a walk in every other game. He has had at least a hit. So Andrew Vaughn has been looking really, really good this year um, in a full time role at first base for the uh, Chicago White Sox. And he's slashed 273, 394, 400. Um, still has not hit a home run this year, which those will come and there will be plenty of them. So don't write him off yet as a power guy. He's been on base a ton. Um, 394 OBP is nothing to sneeze at. His slugging is pretty low right now, but that'll come around, uh, especially as the weather gets warmer. Um, all the home games in Chicago start getting a little bit less 
dreary. I have a feeling that'll help him a lot. So, yeah, Andrew Vaughn, uh, keep an eye out on him. Also in the American League Central, we've had a debut of a pretty good young prospect in Edward Julian for the Minnesota Twins. So Edward Julian kind of broke onto the scene in a lot of people's eyes at the WBC this year. Um, he, he pretty much dominated in the WBC, uh, got his opportunity to come up in uh, the majors here last week and ended up getting um, his first hit and his first homer in the same inning, but not the same plate appearance. So he came up twice in the same inning and in, uh, it was his second game in the majors, but got a base hit. And then later in that inning came back around and hit his first home run. So two big firsts in one game in one inning. That is something really, really cool that not a lot of people can say that they have done. So kudos and congratulations to Edward Julian. Um, yeah. And then see, we got two other things that I want to talk about here in this week in baseball. Uh, one of them being that a top prospect has finally been called back up. And that is Brett Beatty of the New York Mets. So Brett Beatty is a third base prospect. Uh, he made his debut last year where he played in 11 games, uh, did not fare particularly well last year, but, um, he is an incredibly highly rated prospect, a lot of power, really good hit tool, uh, decent fielding uh, above. I say decent, good fielding, not quite elite, but his prospect grade uh, for fielding is a 55 current and future. So it, from a defensive standpoint, they're basically saying he's as developed as he's going to get. And he's pretty darn good. Um, but yeah, so he just got called back up here yesterday i think um where he uh trying to see if he got any hits four plate appearances um let's check his game log yes uh got his first hit of the season yesterday on the 17th um, and I kind of expect that Beatty is going to end up staying up a majority of this year is the Mets really don't have a, uh, long-term option at third base other than Brett Beatty. Uh, they do have, have Eduardo Escobar, um, on their roster. They have Luis Guillorme, um, but neither one of those players really has the bat that you really need in that spot right now. If you're the Mets. Uh, Escobar has been fantastic in, in the past, but he is definitely on the older side, kind of on the downhill slope of his career at 34 years old there. Um, and, and Beatty is the young stud. So they're going to be platooning him most likely with Escobar, uh, for the time being. Um, but we will see how that kind of pans out over the course of the season. So Yeah, and it, a lot of Mets fans are very frustrated with Eduardo Escobar, and I think that is part of why Brett Beatty came back up, in addition to the fact that Beatty is about as polished as he's going to get at AAA. The rest of the development that he has to go is really only going to be something that he could get at the major league level against major league pitching. So there's no reason to leave him down 
if he's not truly blocked by somebody at the major league level. So. And then the last guy that I wanted to give a little bit of love to uh, in this week in baseball is kind of an older guy, uh, 28-year-old Brent Rooker. So Rooker was a rookie back in 2020 with the Minnesota Twins, and he has been on the Twins, uh, the Royals, and now he is uh, he has been on the Oakland A's, where he's playing now. Um, he had a phenomenal week last week, uh, where he hit four home runs in three games. Uh, two games against Baltimore, one of them being a two-homer game where he put both of the balls over the setback part of the left field fence. Um, well, it, yeah, okay, 28 isn't really old. For some reason, I was thinking he was a rookie this year and 28, and so I was going to say older rookie and then stumbled over my words. So pay no mind to the older comment. Not that old. But for a guy with his little experience in the major leagues, being only 312 plate appearances, he is a little bit on the older side. Um, but yeah, so Brent Rooker has had a career week this year. Um, and I, I'm really curious to see if he can be the anchor, uh, for this Oakland team from a power standpoint, because that is really the main part of his game is his power. He's not a big hit tool guy, not very fast, not a phenomenal fielder, but he does have legit power, uh, which he has shown a couple times at the major league level in 58 games for the twins in 2021. Rooker uh, mashed nine homers in uh, 2022. He did not have any homers in 16 games, but then so far this year in a full-time role in Oakland, he's already got four um, and he's, he's hitting the ball pretty darn well. So I think that is pretty much all I have for this week in baseball. Um, There's tons of other stuff that's happened this week, but um that is kind of the main main bit that I wanted to talk about there. So now I want to start kind of transitioning over to what my main topic is for today. And that main topic is stolen bases. So we've talked about these a couple times already this year, and this is a topic that has kind of been around baseball for the last couple years as far as like, we're not seeing any steals. People want to see more steals. Why aren't they there? How do we get them back? And so I want to do a little bit of a deep dive into that. And I want to start by looking at stolen bases in history of baseball. So the stolen base leaders for uh, the all-time stolen base leaders in baseball are Ricky Henderson with 1,406 stolen bases. That is an untouchable record. I think pretty much everyone is on board with saying that that is an untouchable record. Never going to come close to again. Then you get to Lou Brock, 938. Billy Hamilton, the, the old one, not the one that plays currently. This is the one from the early 1900s. 912 steals. Ty Cobb, 892. Tim Raines, 807. Skip a couple, and then you get to the active... Stolen base leader, Elvis Andrews, with 337. That puts him 124th 
on the all-time list for steals. And he is leading stolen bases for active players in 2023. That is a major disparity between guys who played in the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 1900s. Like, what has happened in baseball that has caused stolen bases to drop off so precipitously? I think the first thing to look at is rule changes. Have we instituted any rules that would discourage or reduce the number of stolen bases? And so I went and did some research today and found all of the rules throughout baseball history that have changed regarding stolen bases. And here is the comprehensive list. In 1910, stolen bases were no longer credited when the other runner in a double steal is thrown out. So you try and double steal, the guy gets thrown out at third, the guy that took second no longer gets a steal. So that's instantly going to start to drop the numbers. The next rule change for stolen bases. Any guesses? If you guessed 2023, you're right. We have not addressed stolen bases from a rule perspective hardly at all since the founding of the game. We made one rule change with how we're going to score a stolen base and accredit that stat. But as far as like how players can get them, like what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, we have never, never messed with it. It's just not something that really seemed like it needed to be addressed. I mean, you sit there and think about the heyday of baseball and you have Ricky Henderson going out and stealing 130 bases in a season. Like people just haven't really thought about the fact that the game has changed so much that if that is something you want is part of the game, you're going to have to address it until now. And in 2023, we have seen two rules that directly affect stolen bases and one that I would argue does have an impact, although it is not directly um, addressing stolen bases. And those rules, as we've talked about on this podcast multiple times already, increasing the base size from 15 inch square to 18 inch square. That gives you four and a half inches closer um, between the bases. So anything that's like a really, really close, uh, like stolen base or out play at second base that is now more likely to be a steal. In addition, Major League Baseball is limiting the number of pickoff attempts that a pitcher can make uh, to any of the bases to try and pick someone off. So they used to be able to pick off unlimited amount of times, and it really slowed the game down. And so this is really something that they're doing mostly from a pace of play standpoint, but... Whenever a pitcher is only allowed to pick over twice without consequence, if they get to that second time or they even pick off the first time, they're really, really leery about trying to pick off a second time. Because once you burn that second time, a runner basically is just going to take off and try and steal. Because if he doesn't get caught and the pitcher disengages, well, that's a balk and he gets second base anyway. So there's a lot more incentive for people to try and steal. Um, the other rule that I think 
does kind of affect stolen bases is the pitch clock. Because now with the pitch clock being instituted to where it's 15 seconds with, um, well, that's with no runner on. It's 20 seconds with runners on. Uh, batters have to be ready by eight seconds. And then the pitch has to be off. Um, but with that, it leaves a lot less time for a pitcher to get their call, agree on the pitch, check on the runner, hold the runner, and then get the pitch off. And so now there's so much more that they're trying to pack into a 20-second span that you might see more of those mental lapses where they forget to check on a runner, where they forget to... Um, where the runner is just more encouraged to steal because he's kind of in that pitcher's head. Um, so I, I personally think that that is a factor in, in stolen bases moving forward. However, that one is a lot harder to quantify than, than any of the other rules. So, but that, those four rules, that is all that we have done in the history of baseball to address stolen bases and either encourage or discourage them or not really discourage. Cause even though we had less steals after the 1910 rule change, that's just by counting. It really didn't affect anyone attempting to steal. It's just when someone took second, but the guy got out at third, we're not going to give that guy credit for doing something good when the play was over here and there wasn't an opportunity for them to get the guy at second. So that makes a lot of sense. But so now I want to kind of take a step back and look at kind of all the trends we have seen with stolen bases since 1910, whenever we have kind of a set uh, group of rules around stolen bases and how they are quantified. So let me change my screen here. Um, all right, so I have a couple plots here, and I really, really hope that these are not too small. If anyone in the Twitch chat can inform me if this is kind of hard to read, I would appreciate it. Um, I will try and play with it a little bit. But yeah, so I've got a couple of different plots here that I want to look at. And the first one being the home run versus the stolen base, because in my mind... When I was thinking about steals, I kind of thought about it from the standpoint that like we had a ton of steals in the early 1900s, like a ton. And we also didn't have a lot of power, like the home run didn't really truly become a thing until about the era of Babe Ruth in the 1920s. So you have Billy Hamilton in like the 1910s going off and getting all his stolen bases but you don't really have anybody hitting for power. So with there being less power, you would naturally think that it gives more opportunity for steals because you were going to be on base more often and therefore you were going to have the opportunity to steal. So I went ahead and plotted stolen bases versus home runs. And I believe this is the, yeah, this is the true number of stolen bases and home runs. Uh, per season. And as you can see, home runs increased drastically more than steals did. So the kind of gray dotted line here is your overall trend line for home runs from 1910 
to uh, 2023 or 2022. Sorry. The orange dotted line is your overall trend for steals. And if you look at your R squared value here, you kind of show that the the overall trend for the, the home runs, it makes sense. The data is pretty well following that path. You look at steals and things get a little wonky because we had a lot of steals early on. You're seeing about 4,500 steals here in about 1914. And then it drops off precipitously to well under 1,000 um, there in about the 1950s. Then it gradually comes back up. You get the era of Lou Brock in the 70s. You get the era of Ricky Henderson and Vince Coleman in the 80s and early 90s. You get to the early 2000s and it drops off a bit more. But then in the mid 2000s, you see it tick back up. That's your era of Juan Pierre, Jacoby Ellsbury, uh, Ichiro, like players like that. And then in about 2012, you see it just go into free fall. Uh, I did include the numbers for 2020 here, and I'll explain why in a moment. Um, so you could see that that really sharp uh, point down at the bottom. That is 2020. Then you see it rebound up to about what we had in 2019. So this chart is kind of hard to follow because it's just generally the number of home runs and the number of stolen bases across the league in a given year. This is not the best way to look at this data because the number of games per season in the major leagues has actually changed quite a bit from 1910 to now. It's gone from about 140 games to 150 games up to 162, which is what we have now. I think it was 156 for a while. There was a point in time where I think it was even more than 162. And so it, this is really, really hard to say truly are home runs and stolen bases up and down, or is that just because the number of games played was different? So I went a step further. I went and normalized it by the number of games that were played in that season. And that's what chart we are seeing here. So the blue line here is your stolen bases and the... I don't know why I have two stolen base trend lines, but okay. Um, yeah, the blue line is your stolen bases. The orange line is your home runs. And as you, as we look at home runs per game or stolen bases per game, we're actually seeing the trend that everyone has talked about for years, where home runs are going up and stolen bases are going down. When we were looking at the overall number, both numbers were going up just at different rates. Well, now we're seeing a little bit more clearly that overall, yeah, stolen base numbers are going up, but we've got more games played. We have more teams, so therefore there's more overall games played in the course of the season. We are up to 162 games versus 140 back in the early 1900s. So that helps kind of make this data look a little bit more real as to something that we can actually look at and go, Oh, that's what's happening. So, let's see, let me make sure that I'm not missing something here. Uh, I completely forgot to copy a particular chart. Okay, um, let me grab this chart real quick because this is kind of important to what I was going to say.
Here we go. So let me think of what I was just saying. Yeah, so as we've seen home runs go up, we've seen stolen bases go down. And if that makes sense, because as you hit more home runs, you're clearing the bases more often. So you don't have anybody with the ability to steal because there's just no one on base. So I wanted to look a little bit further than that and see, is home runs the only thing that might be affecting this? What about doubles? What about triples? What about singles? What has been happening there? And so I went ahead and plotted the types of hits per game of singles, doubles, triples, and home runs. And as you can see, singles is the blue line. That one's really, really easy to see. Um, It has dropped a lot, like a lot since 1910. We've gone from about a point six, about a point six five hits per game um, down to about point three seven. So we basically cut the number of base hits in half. Uh, you look at doubles, and this one looks like a flat line. It pretty much is, but it has dropped just a, a little bit. Uh, your home runs, as we showed on the chart before, continues to go up. Uh, it's actually nearing the point where home runs and doubles are kind of about the same. Uh, and then triples is is a little hard to see here, but it has dropped quite a bit. So home runs and triples don't give you the ability to steal Unless you steal home after a triple, but people don't really. So I kind of throw them out the window. So now we look at singles and doubles. Hits that get someone on base with an opportunity to steal. Well, those have trended down. So as we've seen less people on base, we're going to have less steals. So that makes sense. So the overall trend of steals from 1910 to now going down Makes sense. I understand it. That checks out. So now I want to look at the new rules that we've just implemented. Because here in 2023, we have specifically said that we have kind of ignored the steal for 111 years. And it's something that we want as a part of our game. We have home runs. People love home runs. But Major League Baseball has found out that people want more action in games. They want to see the uh, athleticism of all the different players on the field. They want to see the speed. We have some of the fastest players that we've ever had in the history of this game. Corbin Carroll, I think, clocks in at about 31 feet per second sprint speed from home to first. He is by far the fastest Major Leaguer we have ever had that we have been able to track his speed. So it makes sense that we want to see these guys go out and put on a show with their abilities. So we've instituted the first rules ever that will encourage stolen bases. But has it worked? That's the real question. We are about 18 games into the season now. And if you look at the leaderboards, you kind of think, yeah, this might, this might be working. Um, let me... Let me find my leaderboards here. So 
it's going to take me just a quick moment to switch my uh um oh my goodness not that one this one no that did not work okay let me just go back to where i was at okay so I guess I won't put this on the screen, but I'll talk through it. So, so far through about 18 games of the season, we have nine stolen bases for the leader in Nico Horner, eight stolen bases from Jorge Mateo and Cedric Mullins, seven from guys like Acuna, Miles Straw, Starling Marte, and Anthony Volpe, six from Corbin Carroll, the guy that I literally just said was the fastest player in the majors. So this seems like a lot. Like, without looking at any data or comparing it to anything at all, that feels like a lot of steals for 18 games in, especially given what we've become accustomed to in the stolen base department. So I went and looked a little bit further than that. The very first thing that I looked at was how many players in 2023 have a steal so far. The answer, I believe it was 100 and a hundred and sixty five a hundred and sixty five players have a steal so far in twenty twenty three that number in twenty twenty two was sixty eight we have had twice as many people successfully steal a base in 2023 than we had in 2022 at the same time, like at about 16 to 18 games, twice as many players. So that leads you to believe we've probably had twice as many attempts, right? Well, not quite. Uh, so through the first 16 games, I was able to go back and look at the data from 2002 to 2023. Unfortunately, this is the farthest back I was able to get uh, through fan graphs and Stathead was kind of freaking out because I asked it to do way too much thinking and it kind of broke it. So this is the data that we have for today, but I would love to look more into this. Sorry, I'm uh, not used to talking this much without a break, so need a little sip of uh, Pepsi there. Um. But yeah, so through the first 16 games of the season in uh, 2002 to 2023, I have plotted the stolen base attempts in blue, successful steals in orange, and caught stealings in gray. And as you can kind of see, over that entire period, we have seen a decrease in attempts, in stolen bases, and in caught stealings. So... That doesn't really necessarily tell us what we're seeing today versus in the past couple years until you kind of look here at just how the graph is trending in the last about two years. So we are seeing such a drastic increase, excuse me, this season that we have spiked way above this trend line that we are on. It, yeah, the trend line is influenced by this season's numbers as well. So if you if you think about it, 
all those lines are actually a little bit lower if we cut out 2023. Then you plot 2023 and it pulls everything up. We are seeing a massive increase over the last couple seasons in attempts, stolen bases, and actually a decrease in caught stealings. So, um, yeah, what was I saying? Oh, so here we'll look at the actual numbers that are associated with this chart. So in 2002, we had 414 stolen base attempts. Um, that is cutting off. Let me, there we go. So we had 414 stolen base attempts. 274 of those steals were successful. 140 of those were not, which gives us a stolen base rate of 66%. That is, that is really not that good. As you kind of look down over the next 20 years here, you see that we kind of tend to stick around that 71 to 73 uh, percent range. So then you get down to 2023 this year. And all of a sudden we're at 82% success rate on stolen bases on 324 successful steals with only 70 caught stealings. This is, if I'm not mistaken, the highest number of stolen bases through 16 games since 2002. It beats out 2011 by one steal. However, there are 41 fewer caught stealings, which accounts for about the 8% difference in stolen base rate. So that kind of goes to show you that the changes that they are making to stolen bases this year, making the bases a little bit bigger to make that distance a little shorter, um, encouraging players to run because pitchers now can't just continuously pick off to first, uh, the pitch clock kind of giving you a little bit more incentive because you're in that pitcher's head a little bit more. People are taking advantage of it, and they're successfully stealing bases here. And so the, the main point that I'm trying to make today is that we finally address something that we have neglected since baseball was invented, essentially, in the 1850s. Um, the Knickerbocker rules back in, I, I think that's what they're called, the Knickerbocker rules from like the 1857 era to now have had exactly one rule change that didn't even affect how stolen bases were actually achieved just how we count them and so for the first time ever we have addressed it and the data is kind of showing that it's working like an increase of about nine percent success rate and getting our attempts back up to about where they were in the like 2010 11 and 12 time frame where you had Juan Pierre, you had Jacoby Ellsbury, and all those guys kind of going off. D. Gordon had a 60-steal season, and Billy Hamilton, current day, had a 59-steal season in that same year. Like, we're, we're kind of approaching that again. Will we ever get back to the days of Ricky Henderson? The days of Vince Coleman? The guys who were stealing 100 bases a season? Probably not. But we've only had 800 stolen base seasons total. 
since 1910. Eight. One of them was Lou Brock. Three of them were Ricky Henderson. Three of them. And if anyone could tell me what the other one was, I would be impressed. Like, he's a big name guy. Uh, I believe his number is retired for the L.A. Dodgers. uh, And that's Maury Wills. But not necessarily a guy that everyone thinks of. Those are the only 800 steal seasons since 1910. I think we had one or maybe two more before 1910. Um, But obviously I took them out because the whole double steal rule could have affected those numbers. So I don't know if we're ever going to get back to kind of those eras, the era of Whitey Ball, of people just kind of taking off and running and trying to advance. But what I do know is that we're entering a phase of baseball that we have never seen before. We have never had high stolen bases and high home runs at the same time. Going back just to my uh, my stolen bases versus home runs, back in that high high stolen base era of the 70s and 80s, you actually do see a little bit of a dip in home runs from what we saw in like the Roger, Roger Maris 60s. So it, we actually kind of decreased our power and increased our speed. That's what Whitey Ball was back in the 80s with the Cardinals when Whitey Herzog was leading that team. So now we're seeing record power. 2019 juice ball era, we had both the Twins and the Yankees break the all-time record for home runs in a season by a team. We have seen Aaron Judge get back to that number 62, passing Roger Maris' 61 home runs that he set back in 1961. I don't remember what year exactly. Um, Hopefully one of the Yankees fans here in my Twitch chat can help me fill in that number. Um, but yeah, so we are seeing record prodigious power. We are seeing speed that we've never seen in baseball. So trying to put those two things together, I think is going to give us, it was 1961. Okay, cool. Um, I really thought I made that up. Uh, But yeah, this is going to give us some of the most interesting baseball we've ever seen. The shift change or the shift uh, limitations for this year has increased or has increased singles again. With increased singles, we have increased opportunity for steals. If we get more steals and then we continue with the home run power that we've had, we're going to increase offense. And that's what baseball has been striving for. How do you get the home runs that people pay to see? along with more action in between to build the best game possible for all of the fans. And I kind of think that baseball for the first time ever has, has changed something intentionally and is getting the results that they want. Like they've changed the baseball. We've, we kind of know that they've changed some of the, the tolerancing on the baseball and that's how we got the juice ball that's how we got the dead ball like they keep playing with it in secret 
Well, here, they've straight up told us what they're doing, why they're doing it, and we can look individually. I mean, I just did all this math myself today, and I can sit here and tell you with certainty that it's made a difference so far. Will it continue to make a difference? That is a different question. For that, we need to look at the minor leagues. All of the players that have been playing with these rules in AAA for about two two or three years now, guys like Corbin Carroll, who in 2022 in the minors had about 33 steals uh, in 90 or 100 games. So stretch that out to 162 games. It's probably a 40 steal season. We only had a couple of players reach 40 steals last year. I think it might have been two. Um, the, the stolen base leader last year had about 42-ish steals. Um, let me actually get that pulled up here just so that I'm not making up numbers. Um, so out of qualified batters, which I'm actually going to reduce that from qualified because I know that that is not the overall stolen base leader. Let's go down to 500 plate appearances. Let's go down to 400 plate appearances. Someone show me John Birdie. Here we go. We had one player eclipse 40 steals last season, and that was John Birdie. John Birdie didn't come anywhere close to qualifying for a batting title or any leader or like any league leader at that point, because you have to qualify for a batting title to qualify for any award. Um, Birdie had 41 steals and 404 plate appearances. The next guy on the stolen base leaderboard last year, Jorge Mateo, he had 35. It's a good, that's a, that's a lot of steals, but 2017 D Gordon and Billy Hamilton, 60 steals, 59 steals. That's the number that we're trying to get back to. If we can get to that number and pair it with 62 home runs from judge, I would make the argument that that is some of the most interesting baseball we have ever had. So I'm really, really looking forward to seeing guys like Corbin Carroll, guys like Garrett Mitchell, um, guys like Bobby Witt Jr. and, and Julio Rodriguez to just continue to dominate on the field both from a power and a speed perspective, because I think those are the guys that moving forward, that's the prototype of player that we want to see. I, I would venture to guess that as we continue moving along with, along with these rules, you will start to see uh, teams going out and looking for guys that can steal, getting guys with high on base percentages that can take that extra base. In addition to these big power guys who can pull the ball to left field, can pull the ball to right field, put it over the fence. So we're no longer looking at a single dynamic of baseball where it's power, power, power. Forget about, uh, forget about singles. All we've cared about for the last couple of years is walks and home runs. Now we have a little bit more reason to think about guys that hit for average, guys that can steal bases. Guys that can get on with walks. Guys who can hit for power. We now have baseball the way that I think baseball should be. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. There's a lot of things that still need to change. A lot of things that I really don't like that we've been changing. The Manford man in the 10th inning. No, 
the 12th inning, maybe. But let us have a couple of actual innings of real baseball in extras to try and finish a game. If we can't, then basically turn it into penalty kicks like you have in soccer or um, a shootout like you have in hockey. That's what the Manfred man should be. It shouldn't be the immediate go to. It should be the second one or your your backup for if the go to doesn't work. But from a stolen base perspective, this is the best that I think I've ever personally seen. And I am really, really looking forward to seeing how this pans out over the course of the year. Um, I think we have the potential for guys like Nico Horner, for guys like Trey Turner, for guys like Corbin Carroll to not only eclipse 40 steals, maybe not even 50. We might be looking at another 60 or 70 steal season for the first time in a long time. I think Jose Reyes, I think, had the last 70 home run season back in 2008, I believe. So that's where baseball's headed, I hope. We're on the right trajectory, but we need to continue pushing. So that's really all I've got for today. I mean, the overall point of my entire rant here about steals is let's keep pushing. Let's keep pushing for change because I didn't really like the idea of changing baseball all that much when it started. I'm one of those guys who has always liked my baseball the way that it was. I really don't want to see it bastardized. But the changes that we're making right now are not only going to bring in more viewers, they're going to hold viewers' attention, and it's really going to help the game grow while letting us showcase all of the best players available. So that is all I have for you guys tonight. Thank you very, very much for hanging out with me. Gautam, I believe, will be back here with me next week. Um, so we'll be back to a regular two-man podcast. Um, but yeah, this has been a lot of fun for me, just sitting here and being able to kind of express my thoughts here on on the stolen base and kind of the art of it and how it's changed over time. So I would love to hear you guys' thoughts. Please um, reach out to us on, on Twitter uh, or Facebook or Instagram. Um, uh, Allie has been doing a fantastic job of putting out posts uh, on our social medias for us. So make sure uh, respond to those and, and let's keep this conversation going. But I, w- I want to hear you guys' thoughts on how the stolen base has changed, if it's better, if it's worse, um, what you want to see moving forward. How many steals do you think we could see this year? That's the kind of stuff that I want to see. Um, so please make sure to check out our social media. You will hear all of that here in the outro. Uh, and that is it for me for tonight. So I will see you back here next week. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or YouTube to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Getaway Day Pod. If you enjoy card collecting, check out our sister YouTube channel at Getaway Day Cards. <laughs>